Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails. You guys know the drill. This is where I bring some great minds together, great people, friends, colleagues, peers, subject matter experts. Uh, but I got I got somewhat of a twist for you guys today. Uh, you know, usually it has to do with somebody in the cleaning space, the building services space. Uh, but I have a very good friend, Jeff Bloomfield, who isn't in either of those spaces. But the guy is a badass when it comes to uh, the mindset of, of sales and just what's behind the scenes and the psychology of sales and much, much more. But with the event that I had a few weeks ago, Jeff, I, you came to mind uh, because a big, a big pain point for our industry is sales. So I thought it would be great to bring you on the show, talk shop on, on and just drill down on sales and the behind the scenes of what the capacity a human brain has when it comes to selling. Cause I think your way of approach is going to blow some people away. Um, and not the typical building services sales approach, right? So guys, again, I've got Jeff, Jeff Bloomfield here. He's from central Ohio the guys, an author, He's got his own podcast, which we'll touch on later on. Uh, he's a speaker, CEO, founder, uh, many titles. He's got a book named neural selling. He's got another book that he had previous to that. He's got the podcast called Driving Changes. This guy is busy, staying busy. Um, but Jeff, do me a favor and just, I always start off with, how did you get to where you are today? Because there's got to be a journey and moments that led you to this. So start off really from, from where things kicked off. Yeah, so I was born, and I'm kidding. We won't go back that far. Uh, we'll, we'll go back pretty close to it, though. So first of all, thank you for having me on. And, and, and Rick, you know that I, I love teaching, and I love coaching, and I love helping people. And I just think that at the end of the day, we're all here together. All of us are smarter than one of us. And, and I think that you know, communication as a skill has been so undertrained for most people. And I, I ask a lot of even our CEOs of Fortune 500 companies this single question in the last two years. I'm doing a little bit of a poll. And I ask them, hey, tell me the most effective, impactful communication effectiveness training you've ever had in your life. And not one single person has answered with anything other than I, I haven't had any. And, and these are lead, they're leading like Fortune 100, some of these guys. And so I think back on that. I thought, well, let me think back to my journey. I think everyone's story matters because it matters in as much as your story can help somebody else with theirs, right? Nobody really cares about mm -hmm. your story unless your story can help them with their story. And uh, mm -hmm. for me, I had the benefit. I, you, selfishly. You, selfishly. Exactly. Well, well self-preservation. We'll get into that later. Um, I, I did have the privilege of growing up on a farm. Believe that or not, some people think of it as a privilege. Some people would probably shudder at the – all your city folk out there might shudder at the thought of growing up on a farm. <laughs> uh, I had a grand – city boy. Yeah, I had a grandfather, my papaw. He was from Kentucky. And he was this amazing communicator, great teacher, great mentor. Taught me how to drive when I was five, standing between his knees on our old green John Deere tractor. And I, I think that my next book I might write is Everything I Need to Know in Life I Learned on the Farm. See, Papal was this, he just believed that hard work and perseverance get you ahead. He believed problem solvers rule the world. And he didn't give you the answer. He just kept asking you the right questions until you could figure out how to solve it. And he believed that we call the platinum rule. If you treated other people better than they expect you to treat them, not only will it be a good thing for them, benefit them, but it'll come back to benefit you. So I had this great mentor growing up on the farm. I didn't know it. Uh, he was just a great communicator. He told a lot of stories. He used a lot of analogies and metaphors. He was a teacher. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know that I was learning all these great things. And on February 2nd, 1982, I got off the school bus to go see my papa like I did every day. Normally, 
head down the 50-yard long driveway, just his green Chevy Silverado. But on February 2nd, 1982, that 50-yard long driveway was full of cars. When ambulance quickly come, came down the driveway, and I didn't know it, but it'd be the last day I'd get to see my papa alive. He had stage four lung cancer, and they took him out on the stretcher, and that would be it. And I was devastated. But here's why the story matters. He wanted me to be the first person in our family to get a college degree. I never, you know, we, we, we were blue collar from the holler, as we used to say, right? Yeah. And so I went on to college. I went on. I ended up in biotech, where I got to commercialize a drug for lung cancer. How about that? So divine intervention. Oh. Of course, I was very passionate about selling a lung cancer drug because of my papa. Now, here's the thing, though. I didn't realize that you know, they were quarantining me in home office way back before quarantining was the cool thing for kids to do and teaching me everything I needed to know about cell biology, cell proliferation, randomized placebo-controlled face, blah, 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 and then telling you to go tell the doctors this information. That's not how Papa communicated. He was a teacher. He was a connector. He was a storyteller. And so that's how I communicated. And my sales results were always top of the, top of the group. Nobody could figure it out. They say, he doesn't do anything we yeah. train him to do. All he does is tell stories. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. know why it worked, Ricky. I just knew that that's kind of how I was raised to communicate. It wasn't until you know, years later, I kept getting promoted. They asked me to launch a drug for a brain cancer indication. This is when I became obsessed with understanding how the brain worked, initially for medical reasons. But as I got more and more interested in learning how the brain worked, latest technology, functional MRI, EEG, I started to look at the brain through the lens of communication. And I recognized, man, hey, nobody I know knows this about the brain. Like, we don't know this. We've been training people the opposite of how the brain yeah. is built for effective communication. So 11 years ago, I started Brain Trust with a single purpose. I want to go out and I want to teach people who are trying to communicate for a living how to be more impactful. And I, I guess you could say I owe it all back to a storytelling papal on a farm in Ohio, but it's been a long journey, but now that's what I do. And our company's built around helping your listeners right now think about how they communicate differently once they understand a little bit more about how their brain works and how their, their prospect's brain and customer brain works. What, man. All right, so first off, cheers to papal. Right, is it papal? Papal, papal. Yeah, pop, I say papal. Papal. You know, in Spanish it's papal. Yeah, close. Papal. Yeah, papal. All right. Cheers. Cheers. So, already nuggets coming here, Jeff. Uh, for, you know, for the listeners in the audience, like just think for a second of how Jeff just dropped all that knowledge right now to the point of Jeff on this. You know, I'm at like probably forty episodes now. We've talked about sales many times. I've we've never talked about it from the perspective of trying to understand your brain right. and how it psychologically works and how that affects communication not once so th th i mean this is going to be a treat i'm going to i have so many questions and i know you know we could talk for hours and stuff but but like you i think you even answered my next question already but i want you to elaborate a little bit more on it is when was that aha moment when you knew corporate america wasn't for you anymore where you're like man i'm i'm, I'm I feel like, because I, I got a feeling you probably felt like you you got to get this out. Yeah. You need people to, to yeah. know what you know and and have others take advantage and learn. Because I feel this that's a competitive advantage, man. Oh, without it, without to, a doubt. To peel that onion back like that, the way you just brought, broke it down. Like, could you go over, like, because I got to believe you're making great money and you had a very good, secure life with the positions you probably held. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll answer that question, but let me touch back on something you just said. 
you've talked 40 episodes, you've talked a lot about sales, but you never really talked about the brain. I always tell folks, that's a lot like, hey, let's talk about racing and race cars, but never talk about the engine. We have no idea how the yeah. we don't have no idea how the engine works. We know the rules of the track, and we know how a car, yeah. we know where the gas pedal is, the steering wheel. But we have no idea how the engine works. Like you would never do that, right? You would always say, "Hey, to maximize the ability to win a race, you've got to have the the most maximized engine." Yet so we don't do that's that. That's a right? great analogy, man. That is, a, that, yeah, like because we're just used to and we're inundated with, you know, this is how you sell. Right. You want to make a million dollars? Do this, uh, you know, marketing, advertising, blah blah blah. Right. Like, ah. Uh, you're, you're, you're really talking about the engine, right? The foundation of a house. And those other things are all important, right? They are like the, the, no, yeah. the frame of your but car are, is important, right? The, the tires are yeah. important, the, the paint, the color, the, the branding, the gas, yeah. it's all important. But if you don't have the right engine with the right fuel, it doesn't matter. You're not going anywhere. Um, now your question, I'll answer your question say that, you know, as I was, it was, we, we moved the family from Ohio out to San Francisco during that last stint, I was in corporate America and I had this epiphany and part of it was, I was learning all this new information. But the other part of it was just from a vulnerability standpoint, I was losing my family. I was so obsessed with climbing the ladder and being known as this you know, smart executive who everyone wanted on the platform because he was such a great storyteller and communicator. I became so obsessed with success that I completely lost sight of significance. And so part of what I learned was my wife and kids were going up one ladder and I was going up another and we were gonna end up on different rooftops. So it was kind of this, this coming together, this tension of I've learned so much that I could teach so many people and I'm stuck in, in corporate America and I'm losing my family because of my just the time consuming nature of what's happening. So put those two worlds together and the epiphany, I'll never forget it, man. I was on the 16th floor of our office building looking at the San Francisco Bay and I had that epiphany. I said, number one, this isn't who I was meant to be. I'm not meant to be in this ivory tower. Um, for my family. It's not who God designed me to be. Um, not being a good husband, I'm not being a good father. That's my number one job. And number two, I've learned so much here that other people need to know. And then I had that epiphany of, well, your purpose is you're going to move back to Cincinnati and you're going to start a company where you're going to be able to be a good dad and be a good husband. And you're going to get to teach the world how to be better communicators. And that's what, that was it, man. I'm like, okay, I'm all in. And believe me, when I went to my wife, who's very pragmatic and risk averse, and I told, and I, and I told her, I said, I think I'm supposed to, to quit this six-figure job with the stock options and the whole cushy lifestyle. And she looked at me straight in the eyes and she said, I 100% agree. Ooh. And I said, but I didn't even tell you what I'm going to do yet. She's like, it doesn't matter. What, what, what you're doing now is not working. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Dude, I talk, man, it's those moments too, Jeff. Yeah. I'll tell you, man. I mean- that, you know, like I, that's how, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know if I've, I've ever told you that part of how we started, but my wife came home to me and said, I, not that we we're going to start a cleaning company, right? right. She just said, I don't want to do what I'm doing and tears in her eyes, right? Like, and I had seen it build up, but I always thought, you know, she's okay. She's going to get over right. it. Right. Right. No, man. It was like, this was not what she was supposed to be doing anymore. I, and it affects everything. Right? Totally. But she communicated that. Right. Right, like what you did to your wife, communicate. Now, Jeff, let me ask you. She said she was about to clean uh, house, and you thought she meant she was going to start a business. <laughs> yeah, I did. Exactly. Damn, you got me. But, Jeff, but like what you said right now is, and, and I, I'm hearing this a lot, man. I got to be honest with you, especially in our space, is six figure salary, 
college graduate, MBA student, grad, or MBA grads that are trying, they want to leave their positions and make, I mean, start a cleaning company, but start a service business or start another business. Right. Cause again, we're, we're here to, to talk about sales, but really the brain, like think about that decision-making process that just had to happen for these people when they're going to quit their, their livelihood, their, their salaries in this economy that we're in today, because it's more than just the money. They're, they're sought out to do more. Yeah. Um, that's gotta be a lot, a lot of uh, pressure and tension on the brain. I mean, cause I feel like every day is sales in my life. Like everything I do is, is sales, but leaving that six figure job, leaving the comfort and security, um, that's why I love helping small business owners, man. And yeah. I got a feeling that's why you like love doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And at the end, at the end of the day, you know, for all of those examples you gave, you know, the brain, the brain, people will seldom change until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. So at some point, you reach a boiling point where you're like, okay, I, I have some degree of comfort, success, or whatever here, or maybe I don't. Whatever the case is, here becomes worse than the potential of doing something different. And for many people, especially these younger folks coming up, what I love about them is they're purpose driven, like they're purpose first. Yeah. And, and if this, yeah. if it doesn't serve a purpose for the greater good or for their own life mission, they're just not that interested. Um, and and I, I love that mindset. Now you still got to be able to monetize it, right? You still got, Correct. you still got to yeah. be able to, to make a living. It's not sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that, that's what, I, so, that's what I love about this. Working with business owners so Jeff, as well. Uh, you know, it's my you know it's my job to, to you know I know you personally now, right? And I and I've gotten to know you, yeah. uh, but I wanted to learn more about you and just you know your everything you do and your journey too. And I heard or I, I I've read a little bit about some of the, the points and the ideas and things that you do and processes you teach with that with the methodology. You talk about the biology of the brain, right? And the pro, the neurological process of sales. Those two sentences, I have never, you know, again, from the workshops I go, the sessions that we do in our niche specific industry, you don't put those things together in, in a topic, right? right? Can you, I mean, and we'll talk about how it's funny how, you know, full circle, you actually know a little bit about building services now, but how break that down for me, the neurological process of sales. What, like, what does that mean? Well, think about this. So uh, we make thousands of decisions a day. Every human being does, right? So sales, actually the opposite, the, the counter side of sales is, is buying. Buying is a decision. So we're, we're, our brains are designed for problem solving. Our brains are, brains are designed for making decisions. They're designed for risk mitigation. They're designed for self-preservation. So sales is simply a communication approach to get someone to make a decision to purchase a product or service in order to meet a need or fill a, you know, fill a need or, or solve a problem. So if you think about it, it makes intuitive sense that there would be some psychology and some science behind it. What, what the problem is, is very few people understand it even at a, in a thimbleful. So it gets pretty overwhelming pretty quickly. So here's what I like to do is I like to I'll give you guys some of the Cliff Notes version of what we've learned. And one of our PhD research partners, which, you know, we, we need a button. It says like, nerd alert, nerd alert, PhD research partner, <laughs> right? 
and, and I and I tell my all my guys that with you know they get on me because I always every time there's more than two PhDs in a room I walk in and go nerd alert. <laughs> they don't they don't like that joke. A anyways, um, he, here's what we've learned, and Dr. Tony Jack found this in his work. Every person's brain across the planet can be broken into two networks: the analytical network and the emotional network. And what he found was is that the two networks. So when I say something to you. No matter what, if you're listening, it'll activate one of those networks or the other. You can't activate them both at the same time. The analytical network's only job is evaluation, comparison, and analysis. It doesn't have a role in decision-making other than validation and justification. It's not open to new ideas. Biologically, it doesn't decide. We make decisions yeah. emotionally every single time, no matter how you're wired from a personality style standpoint. We make every decision emotionally empathically, we bring meaning to it. And then we look to justify and validate that decision with the analytical network. So the question I always tell people is, or ask what folks is, is do you, do you know which network you're activating with what information you're saying? Because most people have no idea. No, and, no. and so traditional sales, and this is why it's bad. This is why traditional sales training is known to not work. It teaches people to activate the prospect's analytical network and it stays in the analytical network nearly the entire conversation, which essentially transfers all control to the prospect. And now everything, and biologically, my analytical network is designed to take everything you say and figure out a way to refute it. Because I'm already doing something. I've already made status quo decisions. I already have preferences. I already have you know taste and status quo. I already have all that. So now you're trying to tell me that I should do something different with the wrong information. My brain is built to refute it. All the way through. It doesn't mean I won't sometimes still choose you, right? It just means that you've made me do all the work to evaluate it, put it down in the emotional network to decide if it's even relevant to me. And then you made me do all the work inside that we call it the emotion coaster in, in and out of the emotional analytical network. And, yeah. and it, for some people out there, probably just like, oh my gosh, what did he just say? I have no idea last, the last <laughs> two minutes what he just said. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. This is good, though. No, man, this, this is good. Keep it going. Great communicators, great communication in general. It's not rocket science. It's neuroscience. Yes, I trademarked that. Um, yeah. It really does understand that when you're talking to a prospect, number one, you have to create a genuine connection. And, and this is so different than we've been taught because most of us have been taught rapport building through traditional sales training, Right. And here's what rapport yeah, building. Report. That, that's, you hear that word all the time. It's cliche. And here's what it means. I see you have a picture of a sailboat on your wall, Mr. Jones. Do you sail? I drink water. How can I bludgeon you with all the reasons why you should pick me and my cleaning company to come and service your four buildings? Do you think no one's ever tried that before on Mr. Jones? Mm -hmm. Rapport building is a superficial, self-serving communication approach that we think works because somebody was nice to us once and let us do it. And we think nobody else has done that. A genuine connection is when you can go to a prospect and you can say, you know, before I tell you about my company and before you give me the tour of your building, let me just take two minutes and tell you why I do what I do. Why did I start this company? And, you know, my papa, growing up on a farm, my papa taught me three things that I think will be important to you. Hard work, perseverance, problem solvers rule the world, and how you treat a person is a measure of who you are as a person. And so when it comes to how we do business here, I learned on the farm a long time ago. You got enough problems to have to worry about to, for me to add others to it. So I'm going to help you solve them as many as I can. And how you, 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 you just tell a quick story about where you come from and why you do what you do. You would think that you just opened up the heavens. We teach salespeople yeah. how to build their version of that. And suddenly everything changes in the brain chemistry of the prospect. 
Now we have a connection. Now I can tell you a story about you, which nobody knows how to do. It's my understanding that a building owner who owns four buildings like this, here's the three things you really have to get right. Boom, boom, boom. And here's how you usually uh, measure those goals. And then you ask great questions. The mistake that a lot of salespeople make is they lead with questions. And the questions are actually self-serving and leading. They're information you want so that you can position your solution, right? Yeah. Your services. Give me a story that shows me you care about what I care about. And then ask me questions about that story. Then give me the problems that you think I probably have. And then ask me questions about those problems. See, that way you're engaging my brain in the emotion coaster. Emotional and then analytical. Emotional, then analytical. That's how you can drive trust faster, credibility. And at the end of the day, that person, the building owner or whomever you're talking to, they walk into the next meeting and they just don't know why. They can't put their finger on it. But, man, that Ricky guy. We have, yeah. we have four bids, yeah. and I don't know why, but I just really trust that. I really believe that guy. Oh, he, But he was 5 five to 10% higher than the other company. I know, but now their analytical network is looking for reasons to justify why they should choose you as opposed to the other way around. So I know that's a lot to take in, but just gives you a sample no, of it. I mean, but I feel like, so, and, dude, there was a lot there too, Jeff, but I'll tell you, man, by default, I have experienced some of those situations, right? Where sometimes you go into the walk, and then here's here's a, not a rebuttal, but I think I'd like to ask you a question on how to respond for people that I know are thinking this right now too. But before I get there is, this is this what you're saying has happened to us. Like we've had clients say, I couldn't get you guys out of my mind. Cause you know, usually we go with like a team of two right. to a walkthrough because we try to figure out who's going to connect better. Right. And just, you know, what it is what it is, what it is, but that's how we do it right now. Um, but it's the times that we connect when they come back to us and say, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't forget about you guys. You guys made such an impact, but yeah, you know what? You guys are higher. Hey, do me a favor. Look at where we're, what the others came in at. Try to be competitive. That, like, they literally willingly gave us right. the the opportunity right there, right? right. So, guys, you know, I will break that down in, in, in nuggets for you guys to absorb, but that was just gold. Um, and it is, it's different than what we're used to being taught or, or doing. Um, but question for you then, Jeff. Yep. The connection part, because I'll hear this all the time. What if they're rushing? What if we're one of six appointments that they, they're they having a bad day? They're just trying to whip us through the walk. That salesperson is already walking in feeling uh, like they've lost, right? Because they could tell, because you can feel it sometimes. Absolutely. These uh, direct their procurement, especially the larger accounts, right? They're just, they're, hey man, here's the RFP. Here you go. You know, like it's, it's a process. That, is there any tactics or tips or tricks that you've got, that you've learned or could for, for that person at the other end that isn't willing to go through the emotion. Is it our job? I guess. Yeah. So, so that, that's a great question. We get it asked by the way, all the time. doesn't matter what industry you're in. doesn't matter how big or small the company is. It's human behavior, which you have to recognize inside of yourself. And then inside of the prospect is number one, because of your self-preservation orientation, your, your, your brain is built for risk mitigation. And so when you're put in a situation where you feel like something just got elevated from a risk standpoint, which is, hey, man, I got like 10 minutes. Let's go. What they, yeah. what they've, now, what happened, just so you guys all know, physiologically, your cortisol just spiked. Your stress hormone, your stress neurochemical just spiked. 
And when your stress horm hormone or, or neurochemical spikes in your brain. Nerd alert, nerd alert. Totally, right? But, <laughs> but this is what's important about it though. When, when your stress is up, when you said you made the comment, you can feel it. You said that. That's exactly you can, you right. And everybody listening knows exactly what you're talking about. What that is, is it's cortisol elevating in your body. And when that happens, this is so important for everyone to hear. Biologically and subconsciously, you will start to communicate from your highest level of training and knowledge. You can't help it. So what's your highest level of training and knowledge? You. So you're going to start asking leading questions and blathering on about you. Yeah. Uh, because, yep. because you're under stress. So yep. the answer to your question is, you're not just going to, I'm not going to pause and say, hey, look, 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 Larry, I, I'm not going to go on this tour with you until you stop and listen to me tell you a story about my papal. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we're not doing that. So what, what we're going to do, though, is, is as we walk with Larry, we're going to start injecting parts of our, of our personal connection story as we go. I'm not just going to launch into questions about the building. I'm not going to just launch into questions about even about Larry. I'm going to slide in some. You know, I, I might I might be an old farm boy, but I recognize looking around this because my papa used to tell me, if you really want to help somebody, you got to put yourself in their shoes. And I noticed that you're wearing red wing boots. My papa loved red wing boots. And that's, he's the hardest working man I know. So when you're talking about what you do around here, what's the now I just slip in little details that show that I come from a place that I have to naturally be trustworthy. I have to be a hard worker. See, people, mm -hmm. people, most salespeople and small business owners, they are hardworking. They are trustworthy. They do care. But how does the prospect know that? We, we don't. We don't know that. So how do, how do they know that quicker? You got to slide in little elements of your backstory mm -hmm. that are belief-centered and where you learned it from as you go. Because that elevate, it, it triggers parts of the subconscious brain that the prospect then thinks this person's relatable. This person, I can, I can see, you see what I'm saying? Like this is a subconscious way to build personal trust by just slipping in little details about your story. Now you don't want to be so vulnerable that the, you make the person awkward, right? That's not the point. That's how you create a genuine connection, just being real. And, and if I had one advice, piece of advice for people right when they engage a prospect, actually before that, when you're walking in the door from your truck or your car, is your mindset selling? Or is it serving by solving? Because if your mindset's like selling, you've already lost. You've lost. You've lost. Yeah. Because you're going to be on your agenda. You're going to be asking your questions. You're going to be presenting your information. But if your mindset is, can I really serve this person well by helping them solve something specifically that we do better than every other cleaning company in this you know five-mile radius? If that's your mindset, you will care about what that person cares about. And then you will communicate yeah. Around things they care about. Can't help it. Yeah. Man. So that, I mean, that, that just speaks to, you know, like, again, this is like a little off topic, but in, in our, in the cleaning space or building services space, Jeff, everybody's worried about, you know, so, so much technology, so much robots, so much this, that what you're talking about is, is still human. Right. The human to human, right. Connection of that won't ever go away. So it's, it is our job to, like you said, before you get out of the car to walk into that walkthrough, what are you about to do? Like, how are you going to sell? How are you going to tell your story? Um, not sell, actually, like you said. Yes. So selling is a result. It's a result or, or not. <laughs> you have to think about it from the beginning of this. And here's another great question to ask yourself right as you walk through the door. 
Whose agenda am I on today? Am I on mine or am I on theirs? And, and because of our own stress, the own demands, our own demands, our own knowing it, me, I really need this account. Gosh, if, if we don't get this account, it's going to set us back for a yeah. quarter. So all of those things subconsciously are adding to the wrong kind of neurochemistry in yep. your mind, which yep. causes you to communicate from a place of self-service and self-preservation. And it gives you commission breath, <laughs> as we call yep. it, right? No. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, so, all right, Jeff. So, the, uh, so I want to talk, talk a little bit. So, just our audience, right? Yeah. A lot of small business owners, a lot of the you know small to mid size. A lot of the business owners are doing the selling themselves. They're wearing many hats. They don't have a sales team. If they do, they may have one. Um, what is what? What kind of practices or you know, I mean, books like neuro selling, right, or podcasts or. What are some practices or tips you can give them? Because when people try to put, I feel like they put too much in the sales bucket, right? They put marketing, sales, branding, uh, advertising. Like there's a lot of elements that go into it, but just the traditional sales approach and mindset and brain capacity of what sales is. Any other tips for, for that, for the small business owners listening that they could say, oh, that's, yeah, that's easy. If you have a sales team, or if you have, you know, I'm doing everything myself. Right. Let's talk to that person. Yeah, and I and I completely empathize. You know, when I started Brain Trust eleven years ago, you know, I, I was our chief executive officer, chief financial officer, chief creative officer, chief bottle washer, chief, you know, <laughs> chief coffee maker, like all of it, right? You're doing it all. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, and it can feel overwhelming because it is overwhelming. And, and what I what I try to coach small business owners on is. How do you simplify and compartmentalize and prioritize? So, so simplify, compartmentalize, prioritize. And here, here's what I, we overcomplicate business sometimes. There's, there's mm -hmm. three things you need to focus on to run a small business. Do I have top line revenue coming in the door? Am I managing my expenses to the best of my ability to the bottom line? And, and am I operating effectively and efficiently that's creating, you know, referring fans in our, in our operations. Those are really the only, the three levers any business has. Those are good. Yeah. Those are three solid levers. That's the three pillars of, of, of a successful. But business. that's it. Right. So sometimes, yeah. but yes, the devil's in the details and you can get involved in a million different rabbit holes. So if you take one of those pillars, top line growth, that's where sales and marketing fall. Right. And, and, and you start to think strategically then say, okay, if I allocated my time appropriately, I know as a small business owner and I'm starting my own cleaning business and it's, I have a goal of creating a million dollars in revenue, then I'm going to know that I'm going to, I'm going to build my strategic plan backwards to say, am I going commercial or a combination of commercial and residential? What do I want the mm -hmm. pie to look like? You know, if I'm going to have both, how many, how many clients do I need to acquire and what period of time to get that based on what size? then my activity is going to be built around that time because you know, nothing else matters if I can't sell something. So priority one is I have to go sell something. Then priority two is I have to ensure that what I sold gets delivered and it gets delivered with first class customer service. So those two things there, those are table stakes, right? I've got to sell something and I've got to deliver it so that that prospect tells the neighbor that we're the best. Nothing else yeah. matters. Even if you don't do that at a profit the first time, which obviously you can't do that for long or you'll be out of business. But yeah. so think about how you 
prioritize your time based on those two first two things. If you're selling and you're doing the cleaning you know, and you're delivering and you're coming home and working on the books all night till midnight, that's a recipe for burnout, divorce, failure, depression. Like you've got to figure out, think about trying to make sure. Here's another mistake people make, Ricky, is some people are, they get too much business too soon and then they can't deliver it. Yeah, that happened. Happened to me, yeah. And then what happens, right? You're just you're, yeah. now you're pulling your it's hair true. out sideways, and you're 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 you know you're buffing floors and scrubbing toilets at three a.m. <laughs> right, yeah. and no, you got yeah, an eight o'clock sales back call. To working in the business, yeah, you're back to working in the business where, you know, and I would always justify it though, right? right. This happened literally. This happened to me like our third or fourth year. Like, oh, it's all right, you know. I got, got to do it. Got to get my hands dirty. So I got to get back into it. But then I, I took away what the priority was, which was top line revenue, right? And I was back in. So what you're saying, yeah, man, that, that resonates big time. S sales cures a multitude of sins. And I can pay a lot of people to do the work, especially if I've got a training plan to teach them how to do it the way that I want them to do it. Uh, but if I don't have the money to pay them, nothing matters. So s sales yeah. is number one. And, and, that, and I tie marketing to that, right? Because we've got to get leads in the door. How, however, you decide to do that. Sometimes it's cold calling, it's prospecting, it's the grunt work of selling. Sometimes it's having a really good marketing plan with great SEO, digital ad spend, you know, depending on how much, how sophisticated you are. The question is, yeah. is are you really good at measuring your dollar for dollar ROI? Because if you're putting in a dollar and you're getting 30 cents back, you're going to go out of business. Putting in a dollar and you're getting five bucks back, you're going to grow quickly. Measure, yep. Measuring that. Nah, you and my brother would get along very well. That's that's how he looks. He's a black and white guy. Yeah. He's numbers, numbers, numbers. But he's like, that's what I do. Right. Right. Like, that's my priority. You know, so it's a good compliment. So, Jeff, you, you said it earlier. You come from blue collar, right? You, you're a blue collar man, blue collar industry. I was the first to go to college as well, just like yourself. Um, our industry is a blue collar industry, right. right? It's, it's a, it's a gritty grunt work, you know, but it, but it's an essential service, right? So it's, it's very lucrative in my opinion. Um, I feel, let me know what you think about this too, is I, blue collar people, blue collar industry, blue collar jobs, my industry, we have a secret sauce that people just don't take advantage of. Uh, we come from family. We come from culture. We have that those stories that we can, you know, I don't know. It's just, there's something about the blue collar upbringing when you get into, you know, it, it, sales came easy to me, right? Cause it's like, I just did what you said. I story told, I, I tried it to, to connect right. with people because growing up, that's all I had was my family and friends. So, but what I found out and thank you to you for helping me. I still use some of the messaging points that you came here. Cause guys, so just so you guys know, I actually had Jeff come out help me with some messaging for route that I still use and I'm implementing now is Jeff's a badass with messaging. If you guys haven't seen that yet, I heard it, seen it, Jeff, what can you, I mean, it, for, for those people that, that have a good story that can communicate, but, but the messaging part, man, I feel like that's vital and it's so crucial because I don't want people that are listening or watching to fall into the, you know, we're a, tech forward business. We are, we are green cleaning, uh, business. We, uh, you know, all like the catchphrases that everybody else is saying, yeah. right? Like there's, there's gotta be more to than just those catchphrases that, that are out there. How, how, 
can you, I know this could be a whole topic in itself, but what are some pointers for people to understand how to message better and to use that as a competitive advantage? Yeah, messaging is really about understanding how to communicate with prospects in a language that they care about, not that you care about. And one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of smaller businesses make is they, they try to create a quote unquote brand and in the back of their mind, they're thinking Apple. And it's it's the complete wrong approach because guess what? No matter how many great brand concepts you come up with for your company, your customer still doesn't care. They, they are not going to choose a cleaning company because you have a great logo. Now there's, there's table stakes, right? You, you got to look like you know what you're doing. You got to have a nice website. Yeah. You got to have, you got to have some of those things. But the mistake a lot of small business owners make early on, especially is they're trying to create a brand from a marketing brand marketing standpoint. And, and so they get so obsessed with communicating to the market, their brand. They're not Apple. They're not Tesla. You're never going to be Coke. You're never going to be Pepsi. See, people buy those brands. They don't buy. They don't buy the people at Coke. They don't buy the people at Apple. They don't buy those people. Your customers buy people. They buy you. They do not buy your brand. Your brand is simply an extension of who you are and your story. And it's the number one mistake small business owners make is they spend so much time, energy, and effort trying to create a brand because they think prospects will go buy their brand. It doesn't work that way. Not in this business. In this business, it's still your story. If you want to differentiate yourself, what is your story? Your origin story of how you created your company, the journey that it's taken you on, and now how that journey is helping your prospect win, that's, that's the brand. Now, you think about, well, okay, that makes sense. Now think about how much time we spend though, telling that story, perfecting that story, crafting that story versus, Hey, does the website look right? Hey, if they click on this page, does it go down here and explain all of the different things that we do and that we're green now and that sustainability is a big part of our future and robot and we're all about, you know, automation and nobody cares. Like, do you think the, the, the industrial supervisor at XYZ plant cares what your brand is? They do not. They do not, but they can't help but care about who you are. When you tell your yeah. story the right way, does that, does that make sense? No, nah, man, that, that actually hits home with me because I care about my brand so much, but it always goes back to the people, to, to our teams, to our processes, to, you know, they want to know more about who we are. Right. Versus, and it's funny you're saying that because I just had the conversation with, with Michelle who handles our website. We haven't updated in a long time, but look at what you just said. Right. So I haven't updated our website in almost a year, Jeff. Nobody said anything. Like, no, there's nobody that's called, no clients have called me to say, hey, just notice that your timeline on your growth is off right. and your supplies that you're using are incorrect. So that just goes to show, I don't even know if they're looking at our website. Probably not. You know, They may have found us right. through the website, right. but they are not staying with us because right. of our, our brand. But- you could argue that culture is a part of the brand, but again, culture is a people. It, it is. Right? Now, so. let, me, let me clarify one thing though. So I'm talking about sub $10 million businesses that are still person to person communication, storytelling, 
you're buying people, like you're buying the person. At some point, you grow big enough to where somebody inside a large company is buying from another large company. Yet it's still person to person. But right now, they probably a lot of your customers probably still refer to you as Ricky's company, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or, or whomever yeah. they whomever they know from your company. Right? They probably think of them yeah. as that. Uh, at some point, your 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 revenue gets big enough that you're dealing with bigger customers, who then are buying company to company. That's a little bit different. You still are selling person to person, but then your brand matters a little bit more because you're sometimes getting referred inside the company to your company and you don't have the relationship. Yeah. Yep. But in this in this small business, man, it's it's still, even for us at Braintrust, we work with Fortune 500, Fortune 100 all the way down, but people are still buying from Jeff and Dan and and, and Joe and Jenny and, and they, they know us on a personal level, not Braintrust. Now, people might come in because they find neuroselling. Or they might find me as a yeah. keynote speaker because they Googled keynote speaking, but they're still buying from us as individuals. Yeah, man. So on that note, Jeff, uh, right? I, ironically, you guys, for all those, again, you guys have heard me talking about ISSA, BSCI. We have the show coming up in Vegas in two weeks. Jeff actually worked with the BSCI for a speaking engagement. Um, and when he, you know, he, I, I feel like, I should give myself a little credit, Jeff. You know a lot about the cleaning industry because, because of our conversation, right? But, I mean, what, how did that feel? What What was that experience like? Um, how was it speaking to to really my audience, right? That's that's our audience right now is the building service contract. Well, this is a perfect example, and you do deserve a lot of credit because I did milk you for all you were worth while I was up there to learn about your industry better. <laughs> um, but this is a good example. Little did I know you came here with a purpose. I, my, but my mindset was to serve you by solving your problem with route first. Oh, and by the way, you know the law. The law of reciprocity was in play. Uh, no, no, I think the point I want to make is though, I would have done that homework and research either way. I just happened to have a personal connection with somebody that was completely just perfect to help me understand yeah. that industry. But for everybody out there, when you go call on a company. You're not just going to sell them cleaning services. You have to understand how your services solve a problem for that culture, for that business. How do they view their brand? And how does lack of great cleaning services, in this case, negatively impact their brand? So you've got to do your homework. You've got to understand how they think, how they communicate to their customers. And if you start to look at that research, it, by the way, it doesn't take you four days. Spend a couple hours yeah. researching a company yeah. and the people you're going to meet with, but don't research them through the lens of, you know, where'd they go to college? Who, who do they root for? Research them through the lens of how does this business I'm about to go call on, how do they make money? How do they communicate to their customers in the marketplace? What's their website say? What do they sell? What do they solve? How do they think? wonder how they handle budgets. You'll get a really good idea of their brand so that when you go in and talk to them, you can make comments like, if I understand right, you guys probably struggle when you're talking to your prospects because this is a differentiation point for someone who's over here in the textile business who has to think differently about, and they'll look at you like, how do you know that? <laughs> how do you know that? Because I did 30 minutes of research online and I found out that your biggest, I read your last annual, your quarterly report and your CEO said you guys are struggling to differentiate your textile automation uh, assembly line business. And they look at you like, what? Where'd this guy come from? I thought you were here. Yeah. To no, dude, it, 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 man, talk about raises the bar like immediately. Just, wow. Yeah. Yep. And now think oh, about yeah. this then. So, say you drop that on them, and then you say, I know how important your brand is to your prospects. 
And I know how important it is when your prospect that you guys have been wooing for six months walks through the door of this building. And I know how important that your cleaning partner is an extension of that brand. So why we do what we do is because we are not a cleaning services company. We are actually part of your brand marketing. And when we come into a building, that's how we think. We think if tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m., your number one prospect that's worth $10 million to you that you've been trying to get on your in your facility for five years walks through this store, will this look like a world-class facility? That's how we think. Uh, boom. Right? And now, what's that, what's that person going to say? They're going to be like, holy crap, What's this? where did this guy yeah. come from? Where does and that's the effect you want. You want that. Where did this guy come? Exactly. From, right. That's it. Because that, you're in. You're inside their brain. They're, oh man. Now here's the point, though. Keep in mind, what did I just sell them? I didn't sell them cleaning services. No. I sold them Nothing brand marketing. Yeah. I, I sold them an extension of what they're already trying to create, a problem they're already trying to solve that had nothing to do with cleaning. Nothing to do with chemicals or machines that you use. Right. And I'll tell you, I fall victim, and I know my teams do probably too, is we'll get in that mindset, in that role, and we'll just start throwing out chemicals and the machine automation production rate. Right. Again, stuff that we're geared to be saying already. Right. But it's like, but do they want to hear that? Like, did we do that research? So you guys, I mean, like I said, Jeff's dropping nuggets. This is great. We're having cocktails. This is this is what I'm talking about on a Thursday night. Absolutely. Thursday this is the way we roll. Uh that. So another so we you said it all the way in the beginning. I want to kind of circle back on it right now as as we come and start winding down here, Jeff. Uh neuroselling. The book neuroselling, which I see it right back there. Uh, the product placement. Tell people about <laughs> tell, yeah, product placement. Tell <laughs> Because I, I, I'm big on books. People are always asking what books I read or, you know, everybody's always looking for a recommendation for books, right? A uh, couple minutes. What neural selling? How did you come to to think about writing it? What, what's the, the cliff notes? On? Yeah, we just released it uh, the January of 2020, actually. Uh, we'd been teaching the methodology and teaching the training to companies for, you know, a better part of a decade. And you know, shame on me, you know, for not actually putting it in a platform book. And you know why? Because like all the small business owners out there, I didn't have time. <laughs> I was running around with my shaking with my head cut off. But I really reached a point where I felt like this needed to be written. And it needed to be written because not everybody out there was going to be able to write us a six-figure check uh, to bring us into their Fortune 100, 500 company. I, I needed to write this book for the average everyday Joe who just needed to get better at communication and didn't want to learn um, you know, how to become a neuroscientist. They, they just wanted a story-based approach and a track to run on. Like, don't just tell me the science. That's why the first part of the book is the lab. We give you in a story-based way some of the science behind decision-making through stories. And then the second part of the book is the field. What do you do with it? How do I go apply it? What are some examples? And how do I put it in a conversation methodology that gets me uh, consistent, uh, effectively consistent every time? And so we wrote it and released it, you know, two years ago. And I, it's, gosh, I'm humbled. It's just really taken off. And I think it's because it's teaching people things they've never been taught before, but then showing them how to apply it and not just some big nerdy that's, theory, that's the right? That's the key component, man. Yeah. I'm telling you is how do you apply it? How do you implement it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually why we launched the, the Brain Trust Academy that I told you about this year, you know, last month was because a lot of people want actual training, digital Interactive training, not just a book, 
but they can't afford to bring us in because we just charge too much, quite honestly. And, and so yeah. we built the academy. So any individual person or entrepreneur or small business could go in and learn to be trained by me digitally to apply it. And so that's, those are the big investments we made in the business in the last you know year to help really the, the masses, right? The individuals and the entrepreneurs and small business owners. Nice, man. Well, I mean, and that's the beauty of technology, right? Is, is you're digitizing what normally people would, you know, you'd go to school for, you'd right. sit down, eight hour classes. Um, I, I, again, I, I don't even want to get into the school system, right? Uh, the curriculums that they have there, but I mean, what you're doing with a book like Neural Selling or Brain Trust Academy, or what I wanted to ask you next too is on the podcast is we should be students and we're always learning. Yes. Right. Our, like, what, what do they say? The amount of percentage of that we use our brain is, you know, it's insanely low, but, uh, you guys, so, I'll, you know, side note, be dropping the book inside the, uh, the YouTube link. I'll be brain trust, trust Academy. Everything about Jeff will be in the YouTube link. So you guys know, but before we wrap up, uh, a podcaster to a podcaster, Jeff's also got a badass podcast, guys. It's called Driving Changes, Jeff. Yeah, right? the, is that the, the, the Driving yeah. Change podcast. The Driving Change podcast. Yep. Now, I've listened to a few, but I the one I had to listen to was the one that you had told me about, right? But it, you you had referenced the, the commander, right? Mark McGinnis, I think. Yeah, yeah. Commander Mark. Yeah, he, he really, that there was something there when he, instead of just sharing it with me like you did, I mean, what, what was that one? I know there's probably so many more that you could reference, but. Why was that one such a good one for you? Or, and then just the podcast in general, what, what's your vision and goal behind what you do with the podcast? Yeah, the podcast. So people could tune in. Yeah, the podcast is really human interest. It's, it's really bringing guests on who have a really unique life story and, and, and letting them tell their story to motivate others to think about how they could do things with their life differently. And we've had, we've had NFL players on. We've had SEAL team commanders on. We've had neuroscientists on. Uh, we've had everybody across the across the spectrum on because I, I'm a big believer in, again, I said it earlier, all of us are smarter than one of us. And, and if I can hear someone else's story and how they've overcome things and how they've learned things that I didn't experience, it's only going to make me smarter. It's from a, you know, from a selfish standpoint, you know this, yeah. you're a podcast host. You, you always absorb. feel like you learn so much more by hosting it than you do by being a guest. Yeah. And so when I host our podcast, yeah. I walk away feeling inspired, motivated, and a heck of a lot smarter yeah, I than I did before. Yeah. No, dude, I, it, it really, it, it exactly like you just said, like it's, it's a moment in time that you get to speak to somebody you might not have, not that me and you haven't spoken before, right. but you really get to learn a lot about people and share that with other people. And I, I feel like Q and A's type of settings, like we're doing right now, you bring out uh, answers and responses that you normally wouldn't have brought out if it was just me saying, all right, Jeff, go right. for 45 minutes. Right you know, and not ask you anything or jump in. Um, this whole conversation, it just, it sparks, just sparks some great stuff, man. And, and, and great content for people to absorb. Yeah. I love, I love the format. My podcast is the very, very same as yours, right? Very conversational. And whenever we have guests say, Hey, can you send over an agenda? I say no. And if you ask again, you're not going to be a guest. <laughs> mm. I said, this is a, we got to talk to Jenny. Come on. Jenny. A, that's right. Jenny will, Jenny will beating down beat on me. you down. <laughs> Because uh, I, I just think nice. if you, your your guests, your 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 listeners know this, they probably feel like they're sitting right in a room with us right now, just yeah. just listening in and participating I've, in the I've conversation. I've heard that many times. And that's what it should be. 
That's exactly what it should be, dude. You, no, you nailed it. That I get that time and time again. Like, man, I, I felt like I was right there with you guys, just talking shop, man. Yep. That that was the point. That's it. Right? That's it. So, Jeff, we're winding down. I like to try to keep it under an hour. We're at like fifty-two minutes now. Um, any last-minute tips? Anything we didn't cover? Anything you feel like? You know what, Rick? I feel like your your listeners or your audience or viewers uh, would would get some value add from. Anything else that you want to drop drop in there? No, I mean, I think that there's. I could go on for days, right? I, I just think that at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're all here to be purpose-driven. We're all here to try to make a difference in the lives of our communities and our families, our friends. And, and what we do is just a vehicle to do that. Whether we own a cleaning business or whether we own a dry cleaning business or whether we own a donut shop or whether we own a consulting company like I do, uh, if you don't, if you lose sight of the focus of your purpose, you're never going to be as successful. And earlier, when I made the comment, you can you can pursue success and never find significance. But if you pursue significance, it's almost really hard to to not find success. Ooh, that's I'm, I can't even say anything else. We're gonna <laughs> drop. We're gonna leave it right there because that word, the vehicle, is something I've been. I, it's what I've been searching. So. Thank you again, Jeff. You guys, I, what I tell you about messaging, I'm going to take that one myself because that is the God's honest truth is take what the opportunity of what you're doing as the vehicle to amplify your purpose, right? And your what you're trying to do is, is, is being impactful. I think everybody should do something to be impactful in a positive way. Yeah, you know what? Here's what I want to do then. You're, for your listeners out there, if they go to braintrustacademy.com forward slash launch, and they sign up for the starter program, it'll actually, it actually has a free training to teach them how to build that why story that, that I, we talked about so that, that people don't know oh, how to do. Let's do, let's do, let's do that. Yes. And, and that'll teach them, okay. give them a free training on how to build their own why story. So start with that with your brand and, and that'll be a great Boom. way to, to get going. All right. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to be leaving uh, your LinkedIn profile couple you know email a couple ways for people to connect with you and get in touch with you because i got i got a feeling many people are going to want to connect and reach out um so again you guys thank you for joining in i will have all of jeff's information in the description of the youtube as well as the episode description that we always do um so guys until next time jeff cheers cheers my pleasure thanks for having me on buddy. buddy appreciate it all right guys over and out we are done